You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Second Corinthians five. Uh, this is where we started last week, but this is we read this a lot. This is one of those passages that I, I read a lot. Second Corinthians five, but it tells us of the ministry Jesus created and then gave to us. This is the ministry of reconciliation, uh, which contain or which connects, sorry, connects creation back to creator and back to original design with creator, the design that was meant to exist within the garden. And the deliverance ministry is found within this ministry of reconciliation. You cannot be reconciled to God if you don't know who he is and you don't know who you are. So deliverance, to be reconciled, fully reconciled, to see creator as he truly is and to see yourself creation as you truly are and as he sees you, there has to be deliverance. We have to walk through this process of knowing who the Lord has called us to be, seeing him rightly and seeing ourselves rightly. Uh, Throughout scripture, the Lord continually reminds us of two facts. From cover to cover, he reminds us of these two things. He reminds us of who he is and who we are to him and in him continuously throughout scripture, he reiterates this message of who he is and who we are in him and who we are to him. Uh, And we know this from our own readings that we are his children. We're heirs to the throne. Uh, As we read in Romans 8, we are co-heirs with Christ. And to truly understand deliverance, we must understand that passage in Romans. We must understand that this book is not a book of instruction, but a book of identity. It is meant to tell you that you would know as you read it more assuredly with every moment that you spend time in it, you would know who the Lord has called you to be, who you are now because of the blood of Jesus, the family that you've been brought into, who you are and what you're a part of. We must understand this and we must understand that we are made. This is important and a lot of people overlook this, but we are made for fellowship. We are doing a really good job as a society getting as far away from fellowship as as possible. Fellowship is not online communication. That is not fellowship. It is to an extent, but you can't get to the depth of things. If if you call me and you're struggling, I'll, I'll sit there with you in your struggle. But if you sit in front of me and you're struggling, I'm gonna feel your struggle. Right? It's going to draw us into a deeper place of conversation and communication. We are made for fellowship. Ephesians 4.25 Therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. We are made for each other, connected by the Spirit of God to operate in the establishing and the building up of the kingdom on this earth. We are meant to do this together, not separate. But... If that is the truth, we've got to also recognize that there's an enemy that understands and knows this book, knows Scripture, knows the truth, knows who the Lord has called you to be, and knows the design of these things. The enemy knows this truth that we are meant to establish and build up the kingdom of heaven together. So what he seeks to do is he seeks to cause fear, doubt, and division uh, that would be... um, that would be or feel isolated uh, from these that were made to be a part of. This fear, doubt, and division is only meant to separate you from those people that you're meant to be a part of. 
And what it's, what, how it always starts is you always start to feel when something comes, comes uh, to your feet, and something difficult, something unfortunate, a difficult circumstance, what's the first feeling you begin to have? Almost everyone. This feeling of loneliness. I'm alone. No one's got my back. I've, I've got to figure this out by myself. I have no one to turn to. That is not true. That is a lie. But he knows that if you recognize where you can turn to it's your brothers and sisters, it's the Lord, there's fellowship, there's unity in all these different places. And a difficult circumstance doesn't dictate the fellowship that you have in your life. That It just doesn't. But if he can get you to believe that you're on your own, now he's removed the power from the situation. If I feel I'm alone, I now feel disconnected from the thing that gives me authority and power and dominion over the circumstance. One of the main ways that he does this is in moments of vulnerability. And there are several of us in here who have walked through this ministry for ourselves as recipients, as sitting on the other side of the desk, seeing our life unfold on a sheet of paper much like this. Right? I did this today. I've got a sheet back here of a young man. It's, I've, I've had a lot of fun with this because I've walked several young people through deliverance. They found their own identities. And now in the discipleship part that I'm in with them, I'm teaching them how to walk other people through this. So they're coming to me with people and their stories and they're not understanding different things. And so we're walking through as if that person was sitting in, our, in my office so that they can understand this. And I put these things up here, and we'll get to this later in the series. This is much later. That's why I won't show you the page. But we're getting to this stuff, and all of a sudden, this person is looking at it. And it's like, that, that's that person's whole story, just right there on a piece of paper. How many of you, rem- I, I remember that. I remember sitting there, and Randy just wrote out on a sheet of paper all the, all the answers to all the questions that I had, I had pondered my entire life. Why I am the way I am. Why I struggle with what I struggle with. Why I dislike this. Why I don't like that. Why I want to be this. Why I don't want to be that. Just right there on this insignificant little piece of paper. Right? It's profound. But what ends up happening is in a moment of vulnerability or turmoil and or turmoil or trauma, the enemy whispers a lie, a lie about who you are, an I am statement. And it doesn't have to be a difficult moment. It can just be a vulnerable moment. But most of the times it is a difficult moment. It is a moment with trauma. It's a moment with turmoil. But mainly it's a moment of vulnerability. The enemy sits there and he whispers, it's because you are this. This identity then is something that we pick up. And most, it's not knowingly. We don't sit there and we're like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I am that. But we pick it up unknowingly and it begins to produce fruit in our lives. Fruit that reflects the fear, doubt, and division. Because that's the seed that's planted. It's a seed of isolation, a seed to separate us from that which God has created us for. Everything produces fruit. Every seed produces fruit, right? I've got, I've got goat weeds left and right. And they've got little seeds. And them suckers are the worst. They produce fruit. It's not good fruit. It's bad fruit. Negative stuff. Not great. Really bad fruit. But they produce fruit. Everything produces fruit and the enemy knows this. So he plants a lie that will produce fruit that will continue to keep you in isolation. Will continue to keep you separated from those that you're meant to be uh, united with. So deliverance 
is the process of removing that I am statement that we call a false identity. This is not the identity God gave you. This is the identity that the enemy assigned to you. It is the process of removing the false identity, which is a lie from the enemy, and discovering through the guidance, direction, and revelation of the Holy Spirit. Again, I cannot emphasize this enough. We talked about the Holy Spirit on Sunday. This is not a man-made process. This is a process that we have discovered through hours and hours of prayer, fasting, and revelation. This has not come by any design within ourselves. This has only come by the Holy Spirit. You can sit there and, again, if you've sat in an office with somebody that's walked you through deliverance ministry, you can recognize really, really quick that there's somebody else in that room. Because there's no way that the person sitting in that desk could know what what they just told me about myself. Because I barely knew it myself. Right? It's profound. It's insane to hear these things spoken to you, to hear a word that wrecks you, that cuts through everything that you are. I, I have sat in that office. I have sat with Randy, and he spoke, I, he spoke a word from the Holy Spirit, and I wept for about an hour, just wept. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That is, this is not man's design. This is only by the Holy Spirit, and this ministry only works with the Holy Spirit. We just went through a series on the gifts of the Spirit, Gifts of the Spirit don't exist without who? The Spirit. He's got to be present. Deliverance ministry is a ministry given to us by Jesus. And who helped Jesus to establish this? The Holy Spirit. Jesus couldn't have established this. This may be controversial, but this is true. Jesus did not establish the ministry of reconciliation before the Holy Spirit. Only after he received the Holy Spirit did he establish it. And then what did he send? He sent us the Holy Spirit that we could operate in this ministry and to think that we could operate in a ministry without the Holy Spirit is foolishness. This is, again, the only way we discover any of this information is through the guidance, direction, and revelation of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And he will always lead us to the person's God-given identity. And to discover, uh, to also discover a person's purpose and destiny and to guide them into stepping into the fullness of the freedom of God that he has for them. And so that's what we talked about last week, that, or two weeks ago. That was just an intro to deliverance ministry. That is all it is. It is, it is the walking somebody through uh, this process of finding their false identity and then walking them to this place where they can then find the true identity that the Lord has given to them. That's all a deliverance ministry is. So we've talked about that. We've kind of set that up. We've kind of explained what it is. Now we're going to start going through the processes to get to those places. The Lord has given us practical, visual exercises that we can operate in. But tonight we're going to, we need to start by understanding the design of us. If I don't understand the basic design of every human being that ever has been and ever will be, I'm already starting at a disadvantage. We've got to understand design. So we'll start in Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Um, we know this. This is not uncommon to us. Uh, then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Uh, 
We are made in His image and after His likeness. So within our design, He is reflected. Okay? Period. Easy statement to make, uh, factual, not difficult to understand or to wrap our minds around. Now, in Hebrews 4, 12 through 13, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, and of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom must be given account. So this is a key distinction uh, in this passage in that it gives us insight into our design. Uh, So many cultures, peoples, religions, uh, and groups recognize that we are, when you start talking about a human being, they recognize that we are three in one. Everybody recognize, so many people recognize this. I won't say everybody, but many people recognize this. Those that are spiritually enlightened, have a spiritual life, uh, recognize this. And that doesn't mean that it's just those that walk with the one true God. That's important to recognize that even people that don't walk with the Lord, don't walk with the Holy Spirit, recognize this truth so that it's universally understood. Uh, They call it different things. We've got body, mind, and soul, or flesh, mind, and spirit, or body, soul, and spirit. And that's the one that we use. The terminology is interchangeable, but it all means the same thing. Three in one. Three aspects to who we are within one vessel. Uh, And as we saw this in Hebrews, it makes a distinction between soul and spirit. And in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it makes that distinction again. Now may God... the. Oh my goodness. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we know that we are spiritual beings. This is a fact. We know that we're spiritual beings. If you believe that he is your creator, he's a spiritual God. He's not an earthly God. He, he created all of this. We came, originated from Him first. We originated from spirit, not from flesh. We originated from Him first. Uh, Colossians 1.16 says, all things were created for Him and through Him. We know that we are included in the all things. And then Romans 8.16 says, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So we know that we are spiritual beings. And at the moment of salvation, it connects us back to this reality. We were disconnected from this. The fall of man, because of sin being introduced, we were severed. Our connection to the spiritual, what we were made for, that we originate from, was severed at the fall because of sin. And then Jesus Christ comes and he reconciles that connection. The ministry of reconciliation, reconciling God back to creation. This is what Jesus came to do, and he was successful in it. And so now we have this opportunity for salvation, which is the opportunity to recognize that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, that by his sacrifice, I can now be connected back to God, to have an intimate relationship, a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. Again, as I was meant to in the garden, but because of sin, I was, that tie was severed. But now Jesus made a way. He built a bridge. And now I can be connected to God again. Uh, It connects us back to this reality. And now in 
1 Corinthians, I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture out here really quick, but I've got to start drawing on this pretty soon or we're going to run out of time. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10, and we'll read through uh, chapter 3, verse 9. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh. Or, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For one who says, "I follow Paul," and another, "I follow Apollos," are are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos to Paul? What then is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos, watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. So I read all of that for us to understand that there are three types of man based on where they are in the design of identity. Where they are in the design, where they are within their spiritual process and their spiritual walk and their accepting and receiving of spiritual things. Uh, and this is where I have to start drawing because it made a distinction. It made three distinctions. Um, and, and that's what we're going to get into uh, for the rest of this evening. So... We all know, and this is the design, those that are listening online, this will be online. I think we already have this. uh, We've put this online before. We'll find it. We'll get it up again. Uh, So don't worry. You'll be able to watch this or look at this on our website. But for all of us in here, if any of you don't have one, let me know now because we have to have a different kind of conversation. But everyone we know, everyone we've experienced has this. Right? Have you met anybody without one? I've not. We all have a physical body. We have a physical body that does two things. It senses and it reacts. If I throw this pen at any one of you, you got three options. Catch it? dodge it or get smoked by it, right? That's it. But 
Randy used to use this, and I still have the ball in the desk in my office. But if I picked up a ball and I just threw it to you, most of you would try to catch it. Your body sensed it coming, and it reacted. And if you moved out of the way, it sensed it coming, and it reacted. That's what the body does. The body does this all the time. This is not abnormal. This is not crazy to us. We have a body. Everybody agree. We all have a body. I'm not getting into the deep, crazy theological stuff just yet. This is easy to understand. And then this is the next one. I don't care what you call it, but we use the term soul in here, okay? That doesn't mean that you can't come up with something else, but you'll understand why we call it soul in just a second. We have the soul. This is where you will find three things. You will find your mind, your will, and your emotions. This is what we like to call the flesh. This is the flesh. This is 100% all you. Everyone has this. You don't have to know the Lord to have this. Every living thing that draws breath has this. I have dogs, had cats. They won't stay around. Cows, horses. Every one of them has their own mind. Every one of them. Have you ever had a dog... Two dogs, exact same personality, responded to the same name, liked the same toy. I mean, just everything about them looked identical. No, of course not. They all have their own mind. And if they have their own mind, they have their own will. They just do. All animals have this. We are animals as well. We need to understand this. To an aspect, we are animals as well. We're in this, this kingdom, this animal kingdom. We all have a mind, we all have a will, and we all have emotions. Anyone in here without emotion? No, not a one of us, right? Every single living thing that draws breath on this earth has this. So what makes us any different from every living thing that draws breath on this earth? This can't be the end of our design. Because if, if, let's just take a weird journey for a second. If this is the end of design, this is it. Why are dogs not in here worshiping with us on Sundays? Why not? If I'm no different, and, I have, and, and they have the same ability to process the world around them as I do, why don't they sing praises? Now, it does say that if we stop, the rocks will cry out, right? So all that to say, though, silly example, but all that to say there's something that has to make us different. Why would the enemy attack us if we were not different? If we, if we had the same makeup as a dog, we would be no threat. There's something different because we have the opportunity for a connection with God that no other creation has, including the angels, the demonic, Satan himself. We have an ability to commune with God, but where does that happen? It happens right here, 
We've already read this. We've read it in Scripture. It, it, has, it has talked about three in one. And now this is the third, the Spirit. This is not complex. This is easy to understand. But this is where we commune with the Holy Spirit, who, as we just read, communes directly with God the Father, knows His heart, knows the heart of God. The heart of God knows the heart of God because it is God. The Holy Spirit is God, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. This is where this happens. And what that looks like, what no eye has seen nor an ear has heard, the, Jesus commands us to have eyes to see, ears to hear, with the guidance and direction of the Helper. But what we do up here is we watch and we listen. For who? For Him. We watch and we listen. This is our design. This is the design. This is the very, very basic design of us. Now, there's a lot more that goes into this, but that would, that would take us another hour to get through. There's a lot more within this, but this is the absolute basic design of who we are as human beings. We've got to understand that because if I understand this design, then I can understand and I can differentiate and I can discern when someone is here versus when someone is here. Where is that lie manifested? That I am statement. It's manifest. It's, you're going to see it manifested right here because this is where all the action comes from. This is where it's going to be manifested. So I have got to be able to recognize what is being spoken over the mind how it's affected their will, and how it's impacting emotion. Recognizing that things are taking place in the flesh. Scripture tells us not to process spiritual things in fleshly places. Because the flesh cannot comprehend. What did he just say? The carnal man. As it, as it reads in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 2, or in 1 Corinthians 3 is when it starts talking about the carnal man. He's having to feed them milk, not meat, because they're still operating here. They're not operating in the spirit yet because they're still arguing. They're still being petty. How much of the church, unfortunately, still operates here? And so oftentimes things go wrong because we come up with good ideas to get people in the door. The next big thing we take, we adopt things from businesses and, and uh, Forbes uh, magazine, top 100 businesses, and we apply those to the church. All of that exists right here. Revelation is up here. Guidance and direction is up here, but it's not my doing. All I'm doing is watching and listening for what the Holy Spirit would have me do next. But unfortunately, this is where we get stuck, and this is where we see the lie made manifest as we see it manifested through the flesh. And so often, unfortunately, most Christians operate right here. And that's why theology gets so screwy from church to church. Because it's not been interpreted by Him, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, that Jesus said was to your advantage that I go that you could have Him. So to think that we can do life without Him is foolish. 
Because Jesus said, it will be better if I'm not in the flesh with you and you have the Holy Spirit. If we don't listen to this guy, then everything is of our own making, of our own design. And theology gets screwed because now I'm reading scripture and I'm interpreting it through my mind, my will, my emotions, what I want it to say, what I want it to mean. Right? How many times have we, have we heard somebody misquote a passage because it was, it was convenient to their situation? I've heard it preached from the pulpit a thousand times. Like, that's not the context of that. That's not what they're talking about. But you needed a point. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting them down. They're doing the best that they can with the information that they have because no one's told them about this. And they've not been led in this understanding. But they don't walk with Him, so how could they? If you don't walk with the Holy Spirit, you never understand what it is to watch and listen. Jesus watched and listened. He did not act of his own accord. That's another really hard thing for people to understand. But why would Jesus come to present himself and show us the life that he was going to make available to us to do everything on his own accord? We were already doing that. We weren't doing a great job. The second we started doing things of our own accord, we were kicked out of the garden. We did one thing of our own accord, and it severed us from God. Right? Only when someone came who was willing to watch and listen and follow the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit did freedom come for all. So we've got to understand the solution is not here, but the first thing in understanding how to navigate somebody through the deliverance ministry, how to, how to make sure that you yourself are in a good and healthy place spiritually, but to also be able to navigate somebody through this is to understand this design, to understand what the flesh is, and to recognize that this is some, this is, uh, to recognize when somebody is operating within the flesh, because you will see their mind, you will see their will, and you will see their emotions. Being not, not just showing up, but you'll see that is what's navigating what they do next. Have you ever, it's, it's go, what, what happens when you go to the grocery store hungry? You buy, a, yeah, so I, heard, I heard Bill Johnson, he's told a joke. I, uh, I went to the grocery store the other day. I made the mistake of going to the grocery store the other day hungry, and now I'm the proud owner of aisle nine. Right? Because <laughs> that's what you do. You come home like my kids love when, they, when I go to the grocery store. If I go for anything, because I'm coming back with something I did not go for. It's mostly unhealthy and bad for you. But it's because I'm hungry and I'm always hungry. So it's just always a bad idea for me to go to the grocery store. Uh, but that's what we end up doing, right? Because I'm guided by my mind, my will, and my emotions, and I make poor decisions. Right? This is what we do. This is, this is uh, the very first step in allowing somebody to understand uh, what's happening in their story. The, the, the Bible says, the Lord tells us, He speaks of our flesh submitting to the Spirit. But if I don't understand how to live life in the Spirit, how can I ever hope to not live in the flesh? And that's where we have to start in this, is understanding, making sure we understand what it is to live life in the Spirit. We hear this all the time, walk in the Spirit. Live life according to the Spirit. Okay, how? 
How many people do you think have said that, that if I said, okay, well, just tell me how to do it, they'd be like, just got to have faith, man. Like, believe, brother. Like, really weak, not helpful answers. Because we know how to speak the, the language, Christianese, right? We know how to speak it. We don't know what it means, though. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? What does it mean to live according to the Spirit? What does it mean to live life in the Spirit? You've got to know that before you can lead somebody into the freedom of that. And that's why we're starting with this. That we can understand who we are by design. Who everyone is meant to be. Everyone's design. This is true for everyone. We're not getting into the nitty gritty of specifics yet. This is true for everybody. And now we've got to answer this question. How do I live life? In the Spirit. Uh, The Spirit, uh, this is brought to life. This is brought to life in salvation. Adam had this in the garden as God breathed life into him. He formed him, he created him, and then he breathed life into him. And Randy used this example, and I still use it to this day. Uh, Before I knew Randy, it was taught to me this way. But Adam was a toaster plugged into the wall. Functional, purpose, use. Sin pulled him out. How good is a toaster that's not plugged in? It's not good at all. It has no function because it is disconnected from the source of power that gave its identity purpose in life. So that's what salvation does. It reconnects us to this. Genesis 2-7 uh, talks about this, uh, this breath breathed into Adam. It was connection to God. The ability to look past self and see those around you. But then sin entered the picture and severed that connection. We became self-centered instead of selfless. We became focused on ourselves. Um, but this is, the spirit is brought back to life. It is, we are, we are buried with him in, ba- uh, in, in death and risen to newness of life with Jesus, right? That's the whole point of baptism, to be buried and risen with Jesus in the newness of life, to be a new creation. And in this new creation, this is back within us. We have the Spirit again. We are reconciled back to God and we are restored to design. Now we are all, at that moment of salvation, everybody is given a clean slate. You are back to the foundation of what this was all meant to look like and then you can begin to build your life upon that solid foundation now. For the first time, when salvation happens for the first time in your life, you now stand on solid ground. Until that moment, you never stand on solid ground. Not once. Will you stand on solid ground? The moment of salvation, you are placed on a concrete slab that cannot break, cannot waver, cannot move. And you can begin to build a life with the Lord on that solid foundation. Um, But we have to understand what life here looks like, how it works. Where does like where does faith work in here? Where does transformation work in here? Where does revelation work in here? How does, where does where is obedience show up within this? We're going to talk about all of these things to understand fully body, soul, and spirit, to understand fully our design and our design and newness of life uh, as, as, uh, as, as saved uh, spiritual beings, stepping into the fullness of that understanding because that is, believe it or not, the absolute cornerstone of understanding for the rest of this ministry. If you don't understand what it is for yourself to live in the Spirit, you can't hope to lead somebody into the Spirit. 
You've got to know how to navigate it for yourself, right? And that's where we'll start next week, is we'll start and we'll finish the rest of that. It's just too much to get into tonight, but we'll finish the rest of that. That's the intro into the body, soul, spirit aspect of deliverance. But I'm telling you right now, this is the starting point. I have never started anywhere else in deliverance ministry as I've walked somebody through this. I've always started here. Because once I start here, everything else makes a lot more sense as I start to lay it out for people. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.